Um, I didn't really think about it, but I guess I wouldn't because once again, it's that idea like, would that clone, would you include them in their your life? Would they really like be part of your life or are they going to live their own life? And are you going to stay in connections? Are you going to be like, oh, what if I did that for my life? Or your clone's thinking, oh, I wish I had your life. And then maybe you, like he kills you or something like that. Like a... Welcome to Talk Agdemy, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and today's episode is another consumer conversation. Today I'm joined by a very nice gentleman named Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I am a consumer, so this is where I belong. <laughs> Indeed. So Alex here is, is uh, here for another episode to try to help us understand what exactly consumers know about agriculture, what they don't know, what they're curious about, where this conversation needs to be led. Because as we talked about in multiple episodes, there's been a little bit of a communicational gap between farmers and consumers. And I'm trying to bridge that gap because both sides could afford to learn from the other. So that being said, before we get started here, Alex, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about, a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Alex. I am from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, so this is up north. We're the neighbors up north. It's not winter all the time. Mm. I host a podcast called Time for Your Hobby, where I actually had Brendan on. His episode's coming out in next year, technically. So there's a complicated thing behind that, having a child, and it'd be hard to record while having a child. So I'm recording ahead of time. Well, not that complicated <laughs> to explain. All right. And then, uh, yeah, my podcast is called Time for Your Hobby. You can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram is Time for Your Hobby. My Twitter is TFYH Podcast. Look at that. I got that on the first try. Wow. Very and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back for that one. Other than that, uh, yeah, just a friendly bald guy from Canada. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And like he said, I was on an episode of his podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to come out way ahead of that time. So I will be sure to let all you guys know when his episode comes out. Uh, but it's it's a really interesting podcast. You guys should go check it out. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, very compelling conversations going on over there because there's a lot of very interesting people with very interesting stories to say in the least. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you don't have anything else to add to that, we're just going to jump right into this. Let's do it. All right, so Alex, the first question I have for you, just to kind of get a foundational uh, baseline of, of, of information here, what is your experience with the agriculture industry? My experience is um, I have a family. Well, that's a given. Hmm. Um, so I have family who does own a farm. This is on my cousin's uh, parents. Hmm. And then I've been to it a few times when I was a school kid. I used to go to like an experimental farm, which was the name of the area, and there's just farms there. So I have like the school trips experience and having family who have a farm and going on the farm and seeing how they do it, but not in great detail. So mm-hmm. that's that's my extent of okay. farming awesome. and agriculture. So, so a, a general idea of, of the industry, mm-hmm. at least, you, you have a basic understanding of, of the production of food, maybe not all the basics or the details, but the, the, mm-hmm. the fact that it exists. Uh, so, (laughs) so as I have to mention with every consumer uh, episode, because it's very important to me that people understand that I am not trying to be condescending in any way here, I'm going to ask Alex some questions, same as I asked Patrick, our last guest, because that was a very fun interview. Mm -hmm. I I need to ask these questions in a way that does not come off as I'm trying to make you sound stupid. These questions are very silly questions. 
But there's a reason I asked them, and I'll get to that as time goes on. So first of all, Alex, <laughs> could you tell me, just first thing comes to mind, where does your food come from? My, let's talk basics, it comes from the ground and animals, per okay. se. So they're grown, and all they're right. produced by people like yourself. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much all I was looking for. They come from a farm. They're, they're, they're grown. They're cultivated. You could have even said that the store gets them from the farm. I would have accepted that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, uh, and I'm going to throw a bunch of statistics your way because, like you said, it's like mm -hmm. a game show. We're going to have some fun here. Uh, mm -hmm. Roughly, and this is this is a study as of about 2011, so I would love to see the updated version of this. It's a little old. But roughly 72% of Americans uh know little to nothing about agriculture they believe that their food just kind of shows up in a grocery store no really? <laughs> yes oh, yes no <laughs> and i can't tell you how many people i've actually met that have had that same reaction both your reaction and they've had the genuine reaction of what do you mean our food's grown in from the ground <laughs> so oh, no <laughs> yeah so that that's the foundational question so we're, we're gonna go from here so alex mm. where does chocolate milk come from a chocolate cow, obviously. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, so like, I'm once again, I'm gonna sound stupid, but it's not because of Brendan's question. It's just that I sound stupid. Uh, <laughs> so I would say, first of all, it would be the milk from cows, and then it would be cacao powder that would mix with it. But there's a process within that that would make it more of the chocolate milk that we recognize today. But I would say that would be the basics, because I know you can make chocolate milk with water, and doesn't necessarily have to be with milk. But it would have to be the key ingredient would be, uh, I was going to say chocolate powder, not chocolate powder, <laughs> cacao. So just just a little oversight here. You, mm -hmm. you have the same reaction that a lot of other people have when I ask these questions. You kind of overthink it. Really all I'm looking for <laughs> is it's it's not from a brown cow or a chocolate cow. It just, mm, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's milk mixed with some kind of chocolate, wherever chocolate comes from. So yeah, cacao powder mm -hmm. is, is perfectly acceptable. Cocoa beans is, you know, where, wherever you want to mm -hmm. go from that. But yeah, it's, it's the, the understanding that it doesn't come from brown cows is the big, is the big picture there. <laughs> okay. So do you want to know what uh, statistic of Americans don't know where chocolate milk comes from? Can I guess first? You can guess. Oh. I'm gonna go with sixty-seven point two. That, that's a that's a little on the high side. It's yeah, okay. you have some faith in, in us Americans. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going with a random number. <laughs> no, that's that a good guess. Go ahead, guess again. Four? No, thirty-seven. Now you're a little on the lower side. An even fifty. <laughs> you are right there. It is forty-eight percent. Wow. Forty-eight percent of Americans have no idea where chocolate milk comes from. 7% think it comes from brown cows. Huh. I'm curious about Canada now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any studies on Canada. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Alex is, is Canadian. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have yet to see any studies on the agricultural literacy rates in Canada. I would hope they're better than the United States, but I can't be too optimistic. So mm -hmm. not to say there's anything wrong with Canada, but just because our education system in regards to agriculture is less than ideal, to say the least. Um, there's, there's some things wrong with Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to our next uh, scary stat, I'd like to say, could you mm -hmm. explain to me where hamburgers come from? Well, depends on what kind of meat you would want to use. Some people do turkey burgers. Some people do hamburgers, which are from cow, and they would uh, grind up the meat. from. I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. Yeah. No, and sometimes they just grind it. up everything <laughs> from the cow, right? Yep. 
Yeah, no, that's perfectly accurate. Uh, just, you know, it comes from beef, comes from a cow. That's perfectly fine. Turkey burgers are an acceptable answer. That's, you know, an alternative form. Uh, 20% of adults, I don't know what demographic they're looking at here, but 20% of adults don't know it comes from beef. They think it comes from pigs because it's a hamburger. Oh, no. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my final one for you, this one's a little bit, if you if you don't fully get this one on the first try, I'm not going to be as disappointed Angry. because oh. <laughs> this one this one kind of catches you off guard. But okay. true, true or false, cows must give birth before being able to produce milk. Hmm. Well, I'm going with human basic instincts. I would say true, but I feel like the answer is false. And I'm, I know I'm overthinking this because, <laughs> the, hear me out, this is a weird thing, but apparently it's been told that apparently men can lactate as well so basically yeah so i'm like i'm because <laughs> like just a motherly instinct it's something with the body because the brain is a powerful thing so it can trick you to think and like some women their brain tricks them in being pregnant and the body goes through that whole process of being pregnant but there's no baby inside mm. so i would say true but i feel like the answer is false but i'm gonna stick with true so your initial response is correct. It is true. Yes. All, all mammals, <laughs> in order to produce milk, have to give birth first, or at least be pregnant. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a common. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not quite as disappointed with that one because that's like a that's you'd expect most people to kind of have a basic biology, you know, mm-hmm. you know, basic understanding of biology, and you just say, oh yeah, mammals have to give it, have to have have to have a baby to produce milk. But at the same mm-hmm. time, most people don't tend to think in biological terms off the top of their head like if you just say mm-hmm. you know where's a hamburger come from cow first thing that comes to mind but if i were to say cows have to produce milk or have to have babies to produce milk right you're not thinking biologically right off the top of your head so i don't get quite as disappointed with that one but it, it is true they have to produce a baby before producing milk mm-hmm. so that is the end of our game show uh th- those are the the questions that i have heard ridiculous answers to um <laughs> i'm actually gonna throw in a bonus question here can you tell me the difference yes. between a cow and a bull? Well, a bull is male. Correct. And a cow is female. Correct. And that is all you need to say. <laughs> yes! That was my <laughs> shortest answer. <laughs> so, I have heard many responses to that question. Some slightly more accurate than others. Um, this is kind of a, a, an interesting question because I'm curious to hear your response to it. Uh, can mm-hmm. cows grow horns? I would say no. So that's a common misconception. Cows actually mm. can grow horns. Horns are a breed-specific thing, not a gender-specific thing. Mm. So if a cow, if, if a breed of, of, of livestock, if a breed of, of bovine creature is a particular breed, so like let's say, so Angus, you have like your Angus steak. Angus are naturally what we call polled, which means they're born without horns. They, don't, they will never grow horns, not even the males. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have... Uh, you know, there are certain species, let's just take a, a, a horn, what's what's called a horned Hereford, which is a breed, it's a red and white, ugly little thing. I, I'm i very biased against Herefords. I don't like how they look. They're stupid and ugly. And that's, that's a rant for another day. But Herefords are naturally horned. There's two different breeds of Herefords. There's pole Herefords and there's horned Herefords. Horned Herefords are naturally horned. Both males and females are going to have horns no matter what uh, like level of testosterone or estrogen they have is all based off of their genetics, not based off of their um, uh, I, I, is endorphins the right word I'm looking for hormones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Testosterone. So, yes, yeah, exactly. So 
testosterone does not dictate how big their horns grow or anything like that. It's just a matter of what breed they are. So that's a common misconception is that cows actually can grow horns. So mm-hmm. the reason I, I state that is because to that to that question I posed, the difference between a bull and a cow, most people often refer to bulls as the ones that can grow horns. I've also heard that bulls are the ones that are more aggressive, which is also true, but not exactly the the the, the, the answer I'm looking for. There are, there can be tame bulls and there can be mad cows, but mm-hmm. what you tend to see is people have at least like a general understanding of the fact that bulls and cows are different. But they don't associate, like, I see people who think the bulls and cows are different animals. And mm-hmm. they're not different animals. They're just, they're just the gender differences of the same breed of a particular species of animal. So mm. it's, it's like, a, like if you have a, uh, what's a good example? So, like, with chickens. Like, a, a female chicken is called a hen, and a male chicken is called a rooster. Mm-hmm. Those are gender terms that are assigned to the, uh, the differences between the, the biological sexes in those species. With cattle, it's bull and, and, and cow. A premature cow that hasn't had a calf yet, she's called a heifer. And a bull who has been castrated so he can't reproduce is called the steer. So, mm. and, and, and a young is called a calf. So there's all, there's all these different gender terms that are associated with these things, and people tend to see them as different animals entirely instead of just different categorizations of the same animal. So I just want to cover that. And the most ridiculous answer I've ever heard of that is bulls eat meat and cows don't. No, wait, what? (laughs) I had somebody legitimately answer that question one time that way. And I was like somewhat concerned for their sanity because I was like, I don't know what bull you're seeing that's eating meat. I'm very concerned if a bull is eating meat. But, yeah, uh, I would be concerned as well. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's it for our our, our uh, double money dash round of ridiculous questions that I've heard ridiculous answers to. So now we get to get into the actual meat and potatoes of of the uh, of the interview mm-hmm. here. So you mentioned that you had at least somewhat of a of a knowledge of agriculture growing up. That you were you had cousins or family members that that owned farms. Do you know much mm-hmm. about what their operation consisted of? I know they had cows, they had horses, the cows were free. So they weren't like in a barn, so they were roaming free in a pretty large field. And they weren't necessarily used too much for milking. It was just, uh, I didn't actually ask them why they used the cows. They didn't, uh, they didn't uh, kill them off either. They were just, uh, just to have cattle and just have, once again, I am very not knowledgeable on why they had them, but it was, <laughs> Cool. They had them. They had them. I didn't. I didn't really ask too much. Um, other than that, I. That's my extent. I know basic agricultural questions. If uh, you, if and when you're gonna ask, and uh, yeah. See that segue word. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think that. So what you saw, most people, or I shouldn't say most people. There are some people that like to just have pet cattle just to have them. Uh, they're more mm-hmm. like trophies than anything. They're kind of just to make their house look prettier kind of thing from what I've gathered. Mm-hmm. Some people like to just have them because they're nice to have around. But the massive majority use them for commercial pr- purposes, for selling milk, for you know selling meat, for you know slaughter purposes, for reproduction purposes. Usually they're not kept as, as pets. But occasionally you get one or two that are kind of just kept around the house or maybe a, you, know, you have a herd of 10 that get to kind of just hang out. Um, but yeah, so that's, 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 not, that's not an uncommon thing. Mm. So... Have you seen any discussions of agriculture or farming or any of, of those related topics in social media whatsoever? Oh, yeah, all the time. What kinds of things have you seen in, partic- in particular? 
Uh, well, I see a lot of stuff about, um, let's say, the, the economy coming into play and how a bunch of lands are being replaced with, uh, let's say, giant factories and stuff like that and reducing the amount of size of land for agriculture, which is kind of disappointing because without agriculture, we're not going to be here. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's rooted in our system. We have to not neglect the actual sources that makes us live. Mm. Yeah, so the, the issue that you're talking about right now is, is commonly referred to in the ag industry as urban sprawl or urbanization. Mm-hmm. And basically it's the idea that agricultural land is being converted into urban use, which is in, in many cases is, is acceptable. You know, we need more developments for housing. We need more availability for people to be able to run their businesses. But when you're taking away arable land, and for anyone who's who's not aware, arable is, is land that's capable of being farmed. Um when you're taking away arable land for those purposes and we're down to a point where so little land is arable anymore, it gets to be kind of dangerous to, to play that game. So one of the big concerns with agriculture right now is in the next 30 years, our population is supposed to increase by a dramatic amount. So we're about eight, about 8 billion people right now, pretty close, like Mm 7.9 billion people right now. By the year 2050, we're supposed to be at nearly 10 billion people. Oh, geez. So we're supposed to go up another $2 billion, and we have even less food, even less land, even less resources, and we're having higher regulations, higher taxation, the economy's falling apart. The farmers are under a lot of stress right now. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult game to play right now to figure out what are we going to do to make sure we can feed that, that growing population. And urban sprawl is definitely at the forefront of a lot of farmers' minds because you have a lot of farms being mm-hmm. taken out for urban development. You have a lot of farms being taken out just because they can't stay competitive in, in the economy right now. With everything going on with the world, a lot of farmers are kind of falling out of their, falling out of their seats. They're not able to, to make them enough money to keep their families fed and, and healthy, so they have to sell off their farms. And it's kind of, mm-hmm. as a kid who grew up in an ag community, it's very disheartening to see that. And as someone who is very aware of the danger if we do not keep agriculture around, it's, it's very uh, somewhat terrifying, to say the least, that that could be a potential future. And I don't think it will be. I think the mm-hmm. agriculture will prevail because I think eventually people are going to realize without agriculture, we have no food. But mm-hmm. the struggles that they're going to have to face over the coming years are definitely uh, very daunting ones to say in the least. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, you, you mentioned, actually touched on a little bit of, of my next question, which is uh, what issues have you uh, been made aware of that are facing the agricultural industry nowadays? Um, well, the urban ex- expansion as well. That's mm. probably one of the biggest ones. Um, global warming coming mm. into play and drying up crops and stuff like that. It's, uh, in, for me personally, global warming exists. Mm. The idea of like the pollution of the air, pollution of water. What was it a couple of days ago? Um, was it in Russia or a week ago? There was like 20 tons of crude oil or diesel mm. spilt in like an Alaskan river or like a, a Atlantic or a, it was a giant river which ruined the the river itself and all like the la- life around it for who knows how long. Wow. So it's, it's those things like that that sound stupid like this, but irresponsible greed to a certain degree mm. of like focusing on just the money aspect which will ruin the land which will ruin agriculture like it's a it's a domino effect mm. you when you knock one thing down everything else is going to tumble along with it if we're not careful 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And you have a you have an excellent grasp on on that concept. And for that, I'm I'm very grateful because that's a that's a big issue right now that agriculture is facing that a lot of people aren't fully aware of. Uh, agriculture mm-hmm. kind of re- receives a lot of I don't know if hate's the right word, but a lot of a lot of disrespect because they're accused of all of the environmental issues going on right now. And mm-hmm. more often than not, the agriculturalists are the ones fighting against those environmental issues because it's those issues that are keeping farmers from farming. And anyone who says that, I mean, there are, there are certainly some farmers who farm because it, it's profitable, but the way the economies are going right now, anyone who's farming to make money is, is dangerously stupid because mm-hmm. farming is more or less gambling at this point. You're, you're playing, mm-hmm. you're playing that game because either you're passionate about it because you see a future in it, because you see it as valuable and important because it's part of your family. But I don't know any farmers who are farming because it makes money. And that's the dangerous part right now is a lot of people don't realize they say that farmers are just in it to make money. And there's certainly some, there's certainly some that are doing very well. But my argument to that is if you make so much money farming, why aren't more people doing it? Why aren't more people going into farming? I mean, obviously if it's that profitable, you would think that agriculture would be one of the leading educational uh, focuses of a lot of different people. And nobody's going into farming because it's terrible. It's so hard to, to stay to stay above water in, in today's economy with the environmental uh, regulations going on, with the agricultural regulations going on. Like there's so much that's, that's damaging to the industry that it's it, it's somewhat disheartening when, when people say agriculture is to blame for all of the issues in the world. There's there's certainly things that, that the agricultural industry does that can be improved upon. Don't get me wrong. Every industry has its faults, but when we're genetically modifying crops that can take nitrogen from the air and put it back into the soil to try to replenish soil health, when we're genetically modifying crops to be more drought resistant, that way these long droughts we're getting in California aren't being quite as harsh on our crops, and that way we can feed the population with less resources. When we're developing Mm -hmm. new methods of irrigation and new methods of farming and new technology to try to adapt to all these, like you said, global change uh, or uh, climate change issues and and all these environmental factors that are being played in especially with regulation on top i think it's fair to say that farmers are putting in a lot more effort than people are giving them credit for to try to combat this thing as much as possible uh one of my great mentors i'm sorry i don't mean cut you off but uh, one of my great mentors always used to say that farmers are the ultimate environmentalists biologists veterinarians economists Hmm. mathematicians Plant, uh, like they have, they wear so many different hats because they have to to keep their crop alive. It doesn't make any sense for them to to try to neglect that or or to intentionally mm-hmm. hurt their animals or the environment because putting that much stress on on any of on any factor that their well being and, and their livelihood depends on is just not intelligent from an economic point of view. But anyways, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say on that point where where you see in the news if like oh farmers GM are like carbon footprint and mm. stuff like that the what i was going to say is that the news nowadays what they do is they always pick on the people who exaggerate everything and you're always going to get mm. like for every one farmer who does like horrible stuff and is greedy there's like 20 farmers or i don't know the exact number but they tend to always focus on the radical farmers in a sense mm-hmm. and no, uh, yeah. yeah no so there's i always like it's like the same for you like you always try to figure out okay well they can't all be like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, you got to think of like the multiple perspectives and how it works. And also um, another thing that is very popular nowadays when we're talking about farming and agriculture, it's a big word people are using GMOs. Oh, this has GMOs, GMOs. 
I honestly think, well, like you were saying, your agricultures and farmers and people like you are trying to find ways to help humanity survive and figure out more efficient ways to do it. And I'm all for it. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you hit the nail right on the head with that one that they just take the, the most extreme cases possible and they blow it up to massive proportion and say, this is all farmers. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that aggravates most, most farmers in the, in the community is that they're being painted with a red X when they haven't done anything wrong. And nobody's ever going to report on a good farmer doing a good thing because that doesn't make good headlines. So it's, it, it's, it's very disappointing as someone who wants to go into communication, who is who considered journalism for a long time, to see people of that craft just completely bashing and putting, putting down people who are trying to do good because there are those who aren't doing that, that good of a thing and they're getting all the attention for it. And mm-hmm. you see this a lot with animal rights. And I don't... I don't mean to go down the whole political issue of animal rights because that's a long rabbit hole, but we can touch Mm -hmm. on on it briefly if you have any questions on it. But basically, animal rights has this exact same issue. They pull instances of farmers, which are very few and far in between, that are mistreating their animals. And any Mm -hmm. farmer who raises animals unanimously, unanimously agrees that those animals are being treated with the utmost respect, that... Any farmer who who sees another farmer mistreating his animals immediately disassociates himself with that farmer because it's not it's, it's not in the it's not in the farmer's moral code it's not in their financial best interest it's not in in, in anything. Most farmers are extremely religious, and most farmers agree that all living things are valuable. But they also agree that many living things were given to us for the purpose of our using them as long as we respect and take care of them first and. To say that all farmers are, are terrible and cruel to their animals is completely looking over the fact that farmers take better care of their animals than most pet owners. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of a, like I said, I don't want to get too far into that topic on <laughs> just because I, I can go for a very long time on that because mm-hmm. that's, that's a topic I've done a lot of research on and it's a topic I'm very passionate about because I grew up in animal agriculture. But it's, it's one of those same topics of taking the worst instances and making that the, the, the normal on media. And it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of disappointing, but yeah. Uh, and it applies for everything. Literally, exactly. Like they'll take the worst podcaster and like all podcasters do this. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> no and, and that's, it is a very, very deep rabbit hole indeed. Exactly. And I say that all the time. Like I, we see people online that are making ridiculously stupid statements and I always have to remind people yeah, they're a ridiculously stupid person. Not everyone who is of their personal group is like that. We have to keep that in mind. Like, you know, there are animal rights activists that are even not that crazy. Like, I have a lot of friends who are, are, are vegan and are animal rights activists, and they disagree with me on, on that front, but they're not radical. They're not trying to go and convert everyone. They just personally disagree, and that's fine. But there are people who are taking it to the extreme, and they're getting all the attention on social media, and they're ruining it for everyone else. So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of just one of those things. But no, I think that the more attention that good agriculture can get on media, the better. And that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to bring more attention to the good sides of agriculture and how much good agriculture is doing for the world. And I don't mean to get on my soapbox and say, everyone should appreciate agriculture all the time because I don't expect everyone to know everything about agriculture because that's not possible and nor is it is it feasible or uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for. Anyways, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not appropriate for everyone to worship agriculture. Mm-hmm. I just am trying to bring to the bring to the table the idea that not all farmers, and actually very few farmers, are as bad as they're being posed as on social media. Mm-hmm. No, nope, so, I agree. 
so from the perspective of you mentioned GMOs, how people are terrified of GMOs, they're terrified of certain labels and certain things that they see on media because they don't know whether or not they can trust it. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you've seen in regards to agriculture, in regards to food labeling, in regards to anything regarding that aspect that you have fears or concerns about or that you know people who have fears or concerns about? Um, I personally do not have fears and concerns about it. Like, it's I, I find it interesting, like, humans trying to find a way to improve and some things work, some things don't work. But it's interesting when people say, oh, it has GMO. And then when you ask them, well, what's GMO? They're like, I don't know, but it has it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's as far as nobody knows what GMO even means, <laughs> but you know they got gamo, gamo, gamo. They got some gamos in there. Yeah, you gotta watch out for those gamos. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's definitely, and I I could go a lot of directions with this episode. I'm trying mm. not to because there's so <laughs> much to talk about. But GMOs are one of those things that because people don't know much about it, they automatically are scared of it, and mm-hmm. that is, in my opinion, the wrong attitude to have about most things. Don't assume how you should feel about something until you've done your research and until you know everything about it not everything but until Mm -hmm. you know enough about it to make a a a definite opinion Mm -hmm. and there hasn't been a single citable study to date that since the release of gmos back in 1996 that has said anything but positive things about gmos there's never been anything mm-hmm. that said there's any negative possibilities. There's never been anything that says the GMOs could potentially cause health risks. There's things that say they're a newer science and they could potentially have a health risk in the future that we don't know about. But that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the same as true with every science. The same is true with vaccines and antibiotics <laughs> that we use. Like, that's not a fair argument, in mm-hmm. my opinion, at least. But no, no, I completely agree. Ignorance oh. is bliss. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get off my, my soapbox now. Um but so I, w- I want to talk about a couple couple things before I before I uh, let you get off here because I know it's, it's getting late for you over there. Uh, but first of all, do you know the process of farm to plate of how you know each step it goes through before it reaches? And this goes true for every commodity; they all go through a similar mm. process. There's there's minor differences between each commodity, but they have general steps that they take. Ooh, okay, this is, this I would imagine is a more developed question or a developed answer you're expecting, right? It is. I was, I was <laughs> the, the initial ones to see if you were, if you were at least basically knowledgeable, and now I'm trying to see if you're at least more advanced knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm probably going to be still in the basic knowledgeable, but let's give it a try. Why That's not? That's perfectly fine. That's uh, perfectly so fine. when a mommy animal loves a daddy animal no i'm kidding <laughs> oh so once the the actual animal let's say are we sticking to just animals or are we going for uh, more as in fruits and vegetables or anything else um really it, it's fairly applicable to most industries let's just say mm-hmm. milk for example just just to have something. okay milk okay so uh well first the cow has to be pregnant as we determined at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm and then you would harvest harvest the milk or get the milk. Yeah, I don't you know tame what the, the correct milk. term. Tame the milk. There you go. And then it would correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be pasteurized. I don't know mm. if it's at the farm that gets pasteurized or it gets sent off. There's either it's directly sold as unpasteurized milk or it can be pasteurized depending on how it's done. Sometimes there's a corporation or a business. There's an agreement where it's sent to another place where it's actually uh, not produced, but let's say um, not manufactured. The word I'm looking for is kind of like uh, not cleaned, I, mm. I guess. Okay, let's go with clean, for example. Okay. And once again, this is my ignorant, very <laughs> ignorant answer. So let's say cleaned, and then it is shipped off to a, whether it's a local 
shop or a giant corporation. And uh, I would imagine that there's quotas as well, which can be very stressful for farmers because it can be a pretty competitive field and companies, some giant corporations have less of a big heart <laughs> like for, for the small guy doing this and will either sometimes skip steps in order to just get the product on and then that's why sometimes there's recalls and then it turns out to be a bad name on the farmers which isn't completely their fault and it's, so i'm going really deep into this but yes so <laughs> i would say long story short milk from cow then it gets to go get uh cleaned up of back of bacterias and stuff like that and then it's pasteurized or processed then sold off is that okay. wrong? Yes, that is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just making notes here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow your, your train of thought here. <laughs> My sporadic train of thought? <laughs> no, you're actually, so you're not far off, actually, which is, yes. it, it was very, I don't want to say surprising because that sounds mean, but I, <laughs> no, I was, say it, say it. I it was, was pleasantly surprising. surprised. I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised that you, mm-hmm. that you got that fairly accurate. So just to take milk, for example, and I'll go more general here in a second, but for milk, mm-hmm. like you said, cow gets pregnant births calf gets milked uh they they obtain the milk put it in a tank it gets uh it gets put to a certain temperature which every mm-hmm. i believe every dairy has a different temperature basically they're super cooled and mm-hmm. it's that's for preservation purposes mm-hmm. i could be wrong about the temperature maybe every dairy is the same temperature either way uh they they ship they ship that uh milk off to a processor which is that's where the pasteurization would take place so it doesn't take, mm-hmm. take place on the dairy it takes place off-site and mm-hmm. so and but you're you're also right some places can sell unpasteurized milk which is mm-hmm. uh, few and far in between because it's not technically safe but that's a mm-hmm. that's a whole conversation it's people drink unpasteurized milk all the time and they're fine but it's whatever um mm-hmm. when they take it off to get to get processed they get pat it's pasteurized it gets uh that's where it gets inspected for for safety and it gets checked mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and then it gets uh, sent off to the distributor. The distributor puts it all in the bottles or the gallons or the jugs or whatever they sell it in. And then the distributor then sends it off to the retailer. And that's where it gets sold in the, mm. the stores. It gets used in restaurants. It gets, you know, wherever its final product is. And then it goes to the consumer, mm-hmm. which is you. So that whole process is fairly similar for pretty much every commodity possible. So mm-hmm. let's take vegetables. Let's take, you know, carrots, for example. Carrots get harvested. They get taken to the processor, which I'm not sure how much processing is done to carrots. I'm guessing they get cleaned up and they get kind of, you know, maybe checked for for bugs or they get, you know, they get safety inspected. They get to the distributor, which they get packaged in, and then they get sent to the retailer and they get sent to consumer. Same process for every single mm-hmm. every single commodity. Some commodities have slightly different steps, but the the general concept is the same. It goes producer, mm-hmm. processor, distributor, retail, and then consumer. And so. That general process is how you get from the farm to the plate. And that's the general idea of this podcast in and of itself is explaining that process mm-hmm. in more depth. So, so far, you have any questions? Um, not a question. Well, I guess it's a question. What's your take on, let's say, globalization? Because let's say certain, let's say for fruits and vegetables, especially, let's say different areas in the world are better at growing certain fruits and vegetables. Mm. Now, I, uh, for me personally, I think it's a good thing that it's like the communication aspect of like that. But what's your take on, I don't even know if there is a take on it. Are you for it or against it? I don't know. <laughs> so there's a quote that I'll, I'll use to answer this question. Mm-hmm. No one country can produce all it consumes or consume mm-hmm. all it produces. And that's why we must trade. Mm-hmm. That quote is 
kind of the defining factor of all of agricultural trade. The United States is the top producer of pretty much every commodity. There's very few that it doesn't top the charts in, like bananas. We don't top the charts in bananas because bananas are not mm-hmm. very well grown in the United States. Especially in California, they grow pretty much everything. But across the United States, we grow 99% of all the crops grown in the, for the world. And we trade them off for people. We have trade agreements mm-hmm. like with Canada and with Mexico. We have the USMCA, which used to be NAFTA and then was reworked. And we have mm-hmm. agreements. We used to have the TPP, which was recently... Uh, actually, I guess not recently anymore. Like four years ago, we backed out of it. Uh, we had agreements with China that have been kind of on the ropes lately. We've had agreements with Japan. There's been a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of trade agreements that are necessary for agriculturalists to thrive because our markets will just get flooded with commodities that will not be consumed because a lot of consumers don't mm-hmm. want our products because maybe we can't grow uh, certain fruits in the right season that we're looking for for the uh, market that where it's at. So like if, if we grow oranges, our oranges are mm-hmm. ready at a certain time of year. Maybe our consumers want them at a different time of year. Maybe they want them in August mm-hmm. when we won't have oranges. Well, we have to get them from Mexico because Mexico grows oranges at that time because they're mm-hmm. in a different climate where they can grow oranges at a different time of year than us. So trade is necessary for basically satisfying our markets and for helping out other economies and helping mm-hmm. out our own economy. Because if we don't trade, we're going to have a surplus of a bunch of materials that we can't do anything with. And then we're just going to be kind of eating our, our money at that point because we're wasting all this time and, and resources to produce food that is going to go to waste. And so I think that not only is trade helpful and beneficial to farmers, but it's absolutely mm-hmm. vital for the continuation of most of mostly our economy and the economies of those we trade with. Well, we have a surplus of snow in the winter. We wouldn't mind, uh, you know, giving that up. Uh, hey, we will take it over snow. here in California. <laughs> California is in desperate need of water. We will take whatever we can get. It'll come in solid blocks of ice. <laughs> or it might be melted by that time. <laughs> yeah, if it hits California around like March, it'll be it'll be melted pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's to, to basically to answer your question, global trade is mm-hmm. absolutely a necessity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not sure what your uh, understanding is of global trade or what your stance is or it, it seemed like you were pretty much for the idea of it. Um, is yeah, it, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's kind of like to put it in more relatable perspectives for, let's say, people who are not in the agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's like saying you have different friends, you have different relationship with people. You're not going to get every single thing from one person. It's like maybe you have a friend that likes playing video games, but maybe mm-hmm. they do not like uh, skiing. Well, that's mm-hmm. fine. Maybe you have another friend for skiing. Like you're not going to have somebody who is identical to you. That's that would be that would be insane. If, if so, it's a clone. <laughs> And I don't think we're at, unless we're talking about Dolly the sheep, I don't think uh, we're cloning anytime soon. (laughs) Well, cloning is an aspect of agriculture that's somewhat controversial, but that's a whole other topic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure you've done studies on that as well. I have. I've I've actually given speeches on cloning before. Cloning is one of those things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, not related to agriculture, but if you were able to clone yourself, would you do it? So I actually, it's, it's very funny you say this. Um, yesterday I had practice for the speaking team that I was telling you about that I coach, mm-hmm. and I was meeting with my fellow coaches, and we had this whole long conversation about cloning, and I have no idea where it came from. We were just mm-hmm. like, would you clone yourself? And we had this whole discussion about like the ethicality of it, whether or not that clone would still be considered an individual, or if they're just part of you. Like, Is it ethical mm-hmm. to have a clone and then harvest their organs if you need them kind of thing? It was like a whole thing. I think at the end of the day, we all kind of agreed that 
to create a clone for personal use is unethical. Mm-hmm. If you were, I think that I would be interested in creating a clone just for the purpose of seeing myself outside of my body because it'd be weird. But mm-hmm. under the impression that the clone would not live as long as me because that's about how cloning is, mm-hmm. I would not want to create a clone for that purpose because I don't think that'd be fair to him. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd be interested to see. Because I also made the argument that the clone would not be identical to you in every way possible. He'd be genetically identical, but his experiences mm-hmm. would be different because you can't replicate experience and memory. That's all electrical impulses throughout the brain. So basically, mm-hmm. he'd have to start fresh and you have to teach him everything from scratch and he'd have to go and learn his own thing. And everyone perceives things differently. So even if you were raised in the same household as your clone, they might have different perspectives on things than you. I mean, look at your siblings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Even twins. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, to say in the least, I would probably not clone myself. I think it'd be an interesting <laughs> experiment. I'd love to see where it would go, but I probably would not do it just because I don't feel like dealing with a clone and the ethicality of it would be complicated. But mm-hmm. what, what, what is your take on the cloning aspect? Um, I didn't really think about it, but I guess I wouldn't because, once again, it's that idea, like, would that clone, would you include them in their, your life? Would they right. be, like, be part of your life or are they going to live their own life? And are you going to stay in connections? Are you going to be like, oh, what if I did that for my life? Or your clone's thinking, oh, I wish I had your life. And then maybe you, mur- like he kills you or something like that. Like a, <laughs> a, a sci-fi movie. It's one of those things like you never know what happens. And then there's the other question. Would you clone just for body parts? Let's say you were, because let's say something fails and so you have to amputate your arm. Would you mm. have like a cloned version of yourself for an arm? It sounds weird. Then once again, this is a very moral-esque topic and it's no longer related to agriculture unless it's (laughs) agriculture of humans which is oh boy okay this is that is 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 a very complicated topic yeah i'm (laughs) sorry as as far as i'm aware right now that is not up for discussion in the agricultural community but yeah things may change in a few years we'll see i don't know but um now on on that same idea though are you familiar with Mm -hmm. some of the new technologies and techniques that have been introduced to agriculture and the context I'll give to that before I, I get your answer is that mm-hmm. often in agriculture, from what we've seen from consumers, consumers often assume that the average farmer today is, you know, old McDonald, he's wearing his, his overalls with a straw hat and his pitchfork mm-hmm. and he's going to milk his one cow. And agriculture is extremely technologically advanced and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize that. So do you have experiences with this technology? Do you know what kind of tech we use in agriculture? Do you have some examples maybe that, of your favorite tech that we use? um so i'm not very knowledgeable but i would imagine yeah absolutely that they're it's not like they're stuck in the 1700s <laughs> or <laughs> absolutely not computers are used to determine whether the soil learn a lot more stuff like it's devices that i don't use but i would imagine devices that are very helpful it's like for like fishing where you have radars that can de- pinpoint the exact location of fish mm. like let's say you have like I don't even know what to say. Like we were talking about this beforehand. You're, we're talking about a little bit about AI and agriculture and if it's implied. Now, is that a thing where you would be for it or against it when it comes to AI? Just the idea of like, all right, well, this computer has this prediction, but I do not agree with it. Is it something like actually the best question to ask? And I'm throwing this back to you. Is like I'm trying to figure out where is the future of agriculture? Will it be actually replaced by computers? Or AIs? I personally don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think that the mm-hmm. uh, future generations of agriculturalists are somewhat bleak right now. It's, it's a little hard to convince kids to go into agriculture, especially with everything going on as it is. 
but I think agriculture will always be a human-dominated uh, industry. And there's a mm-hmm. few reasons for that. So first of all, when I said earlier, I mentioned how agriculture uses robots and they use artificial intelligence. And the reason I have to specify artificial intelligence is because AI means two different things in agriculture. <laughs> so oh. you have artificial intelligence and you have artificial insemination. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not sure how familiar you are with artificial insemination. but uh, I have a, not tried it myself, but I mean, uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> it's, it's a very useful and important uh, tactic used in agriculture. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot safer than letting the bull just mount the cow because one of them might get hurt or both of them might get hurt. The cow mm-hmm. might not take and the bull might have to do it again. Uh, you have the chance of the bull, you know, uh, just doing stupid stuff to stupid cows. So like having having a bull in there with cows in the first place is not, is not safe all the time. It depends on the mm-hmm. situation. But there's a lot of reasons why artificial insemination is, is safer and healthier for the cow. But I'll go over that in a minute. But with artificial intelligence, a lot of the uses we're seeing for it are less like you see in sci-fi movies where it's like a voice like Jarvis in, in Iron Man where, he, where he's controlling the entire house. You don't have... Uh, sentient computers that are controlling the entire operation but you do have computer programs that are somewhat intelligent in the sense that they can predict certain aspects of the uh, farming practice and they can implement things that will help make the farmer's job easier uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of, it, of a specific example that I could give you uh, before I get to that, let me just talk about some of the other things that we have involved in, as far as ag tech in, in terms of hardware so we actually mm-hmm. have one of the things that people don't realize about agriculture is that a lot of the drones that are available today, the highest tech drones we have, I mean, besides military grade, obviously, is used for agriculture. Agriculture uses drones that are much higher tech than what we have today in, in the consumer, in, in the public. People don't get access to the kinds of drones that farmers get access to. And it's kind of an interesting topic to discuss because people don't even realize that farmers use drones. And drones can be used for a variety of things. They can be used for... Instead of crop dusting, they could be used to, to basically crop dust on a, on a minuscule level. If there's just like a certain area of your field that you want to crop dust, you don't have to have a plane fly the entire way over the field. You just have that little drone go out and crop dust that little area just to get a few plants or maybe just even one plant. And that, that can save you from having expensive pesticide residue all over your crops that you don't need to have there and you're not mm-hmm. wasting money that way. And drones are kind of part of a larger system of agriculture called precision ag, which is a newer development in agricultural technology that involves taking scans of fields and reading heat signatures to find where insects could be so that way they know where to spray, knowing what the soil Mm -hmm. uh, composition is in terms of how much nitrogen is in the soil and how much of this and that and the other thing is in the soil to make sure it's healthy. Like the amount of precision in this technology is like almost to to an impossible scale. They use technology that is not even heard of in most other forms of, of industry because it's, it's not only is it not useful, but it's just something that they hadn't even considered before. And we're seeing kind of a unique instance of farmers having to partner up with computer scientists and technologists to create a new wave of agriculture that's actually common, commonly referred to as Agriculture 4.0. So I'm not sure if you're familiar, but agriculture has gone through about four major revolutions. We're actually in the middle of the fourth one right now. And so the, the, the first revolution was agriculture first becoming a thing. Instead of just hunting and gathering, we started to cultivate our crops. The mm-hmm. second revolution was the, maxim, the maximization of that level of production, being able to use technology like uh, tractors and plows and horses to, to harvest our crops more easily and using, excuse me, using tools that were a lot more efficient than what we had before. 
The third revolution, mm-hmm. also called the Green Revolution, was when chemicals came into play. We used fertilizers, we used pesticides, we used herbicides. We had all these different chemicals that were improving our ability to farm. Now we're in the fourth revolution where we're getting into mechanized agriculture. That's where we have more robotics. Mm-hmm. We have more involvement with technology. We have higher advanced uh, computer systems than have ever been seen in agriculture before. It's kind of incredible. And hmm. We have robots that milk all on their own. We have basically the, the cow steps into the into the uh, milk parlor. There's a pressure plate, I'm assuming. I'm not fully familiar with how all the technology works. I just know that it exists. But I'm assuming the cow steps on kind of, some kind of pressure plate that activates the machine. It knows exactly where the cow's udder is, and it attaches the milk machine perfectly, and it makes sure that that cow is nice and healthy, and she's and she, like it does a whole like diagnostic check while it's milking her. And it can tell you if that cow is sick, if she's having if she's having issues, how much she's walked. They have actual sensors and tags that they keep on their cows that tell them how many miles they're getting in for the day, like how many steps they're counting. It's it's kind of insane the amount of the <laughs> amount of precision involved in this kind of stuff. So uh, that's that's kind of a long winded way to to address your point. But <laughs> um, I just wanted to kind of give a. a, a pretty good understanding of, of what level of technology is being incorporated. And that's just baseline stuff. I mean, there's way more that I could talk about, but that's just kind of the stuff that tends to catch people's attention. And as far as artificial intelligence goes, you have GPS that now how, how is able to, tra- to help track uh, tractors basically drive almost autonomously, where they can go through fields without having to have a driver. They know exactly how to get there because they have a GPS that's tracking them the entire time. Uh, there's artificial intelligence systems that know how to disperse certain amounts of chemicals or they know they can advise what level of water you need to give certain plants and basically it's all planning stuff not not a whole lot of mm-hmm. it is actual farm management because they rely on the the actual farmer for that so i don't see a technological takeover in the sense that all farming is going to be technological because there's a lot of fruits that they can't harvest mechanically. Oranges, peaches, plums, pears, blueberries, strawberries, a lot of those more delicate fruits, they have to be handpicked because they don't have any machines delicate enough to pick them without damaging them. So that mm. kind of thing is is what gives me the idea that a lot of agriculture is going to have to stay in the hands of the, of the humans, at least for a while. So sorry for the, the very long explanation to that. but <laughs> No, it was perfect. It was perfect. So uh, on on that subject, though, is there anything that I mentioned that you had more questions about, that you wanted to hear more about, anything you're curious about, any, anything else I can address for you? Um, questions. This Okay, this is a really stupid one, <laughs> but I've heard a misconception. It's like really stupid that cows cannot go downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not entirely true. Okay. <laughs> um... The context of that is kind of difficult to explain. Um, it depends on the stairs. <laughs> oh, okay. So I don't really know. Like, I've never tried to take a cow downstairs, <laughs> but I know that cows are capable of going up and down steps. It just It's usually only one or two steps at a time. Mm-hmm. So it depends. Like, I don't think a cow is going to be going down an entire flight of stairs because, for one, they're extremely mm-hmm. heavy, so they're going to fall over just from the, from the just from the heavy weight. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what biologically would keep them from going downstairs. They go down slopes. I mean, they can walk down a hill just fine. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. that going downstairs would be much different in terms of the incline or decline, I guess. But I've heard that same. I've heard that before, and I never knew like where that came from because I'm not really sure what the context of that is. But yeah, that's that's all I can say on that matter. 
yeah that was that was my only question like you answered all the other ones i was trying to think of like okay another clever question because i asked questions about like computers and ai and the future of that and i'm like oh crap okay um <laughs> cow's going downstairs it's been a question on my mind and i feel like you were the best person to ask <laughs> no that was definitely a, a a fair question you know i'm i'm here like i said no such thing as a stupid question i'm here to answer any and every question relating to agriculture especially cows because they're my favorite you know what? You did a fantastic job, and I'm I'm honestly so happy you had me on for your second podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely glad you were able to make it. Um, I I don't think I have anything else I wanted to address with this. Do you have any other questions about agriculture in general? Any questions about anything I've talked about today? Anything I can clarify for you? Uh, when is your next TED Talk? <laughs> See, when I told you in your episode that I want to do a TED Talk, this is what I was talking about. I can just talk forever and it, it's it's enough it's a lot well if you ever do one i'm gonna share it with the world i appreciate that <laughs> but um no i i really appreciate you coming on this podcast you certainly didn't have to um i remember when we did our our talk about a week ago on voice hub we mm-hmm. talked about all things how to start your own podcast and mm-hmm. you blackmailed me into being on your podcast so i said <laughs> only if you're on mine and then i happened to throw in the idea of like if you want you can be on the ag one too and then you're like okay so i was a little i wasn't sure if i was like just guilting you into doing it because no, you didn't want to no, say no. no but um no I, i'm very grateful that you came and helped out it's very fun conversation i'm sorry if i took the stage a little bit too much i know this is supposed to be your platform but i i feel like i did an okay job answering your questions i hope yeah no no you you did a fantastic job and you informed me so much about it and no don't ever say sorry on your own podcast it's (laughs) it's, it's like sorry for having you as a guest no 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 (laughs) i'm thanking you i'm sorry that i wasn't more knowledgeable i was somewhat knowledgeable but not as much i'm like I broke some of your expectations, which is great, and then I crushed some other ones. You're like, oh, no, Alex, no. No, this is <laughs> but, this is exactly what I do this for. So I have a yeah. – the difficult aspect of this particular format of podcast is I'm asking you to interview me, basically, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting you in a context where you have very little to no knowledge about what I'm talking about, and I want you to, ha- to ask questions that way I know where your head's at. And – I tend to take, you know, front and center stage after a little while because that's just kind of my habit when it comes to talking about ag. But mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that, like, it, it's hard for me to ask you questions because I don't know what you don't know. I don't know what you want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're curious about. So I, it's, it's easier for me to just let you ask questions or, or make, you know, silly comments and then I address them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So no, like, I honestly cannot thank you enough for having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're more than welcome to come back if you have any other questions that you come up with about agriculture. If you see anything on media that you're curious about, shoot it my way. I'll be happy to talk to you about it. Even if it's not an episode, if it, you know, if it only takes me five minutes to explain something, I can do that too. But I'd be more than happy to have you back on either of my episodes and, and talk about, you know, have you talk ag to me once you learn more about it. <laughs> and I, I hope that you learned something today. Hope I wasn't just blindly talking and you were just kind of listening to me rant because i do that but um no i think it was a good episode i think it was a lot of fun on both on both sides on all fronts and on all the episodes Mm -hmm. you recorded today i had a great time thank you yeah absolutely so um once again uh you have anything you like to plug anything like to shout out before the end of the episode here 
Oh yes, so my podcast, Time for Your Hobby, where I interview people from all walks of life from around the world about their hobbies, to learn more about them, to find out what it means to them, get rid of misconceptions, and everything and anything in between. Uh, it can be found on any platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, your neighbor down the streets, uh, Walkman. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, I'm found on Instagram at Time for Your Hobby, and also Twitter at TFYH Podcast. Look at that, second time, got it right off wow. the bat. Very yeah, no, I'm uh, another tap on the back. And uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I'm on the interweb. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, really, anyone who is listening to this, go check out Alex's podcast. It's really entertaining and fun to listen to. And I'm sure after a while, you guys get tired of me just talking about ag all the time. <laughs> go listen to something else. Get outside of, of everything that's going on right now. Go listen to, you know, Alex's podcast is fun because it just gives you a chance to get you know get get a little bit of a brain break. You get to listen to people and just kind of think, oh, that's kind of cool, and you know people <laughs> did that, and so it's it's really entertaining. I'd re- I definitely recommend it. And in a year or whenever my episode comes out, I'll be mm-hmm. shouting you out again. Assuming you know if you come on again before, then I'll definitely be shouting you out, obviously. But as soon as my episode comes out, I'll be throwing people your way again. So. Hopefully you'll expect to see a, a larger following by that point, maybe at least by a couple people, since that's about as big as my audience is. But you know, same okay. here, same here. <laughs> I don't have a big audience either, but that's the point. I just have a few people who are like, okay, I want to learn about this. Cool, that's all I want to learn. That's yeah, fine. But exactly. you know what? We're family now, so exactly. You, you know what? We're sharing out. the love. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm very thankful for you coming and helping me out. I'm thankful for everyone mm-hmm. that's listening, and I'm thankful for everything that has that has gone on in the past few months because it's given me time to really work on these projects and finally get stuff done. I mean, to get done as terrible as everything has been, mm-hmm. I got to be thankful for at least part of it. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I to keep my sanity, but <laughs> no. So that, that's all I have. Um, yeah. Th- thanks again, Alex. I, I look forward to talking to you as time goes on and mm-hmm. don't forget if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm-hmm.